country and I like it that way. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody calls you friend. You don't need an invitation. Kick off your shoes, come on in. Yeah, we know how to work and we know how to play. We're from the country and we like it that way. Welcome on in. Everybody's neck is red here. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Even you know, even if you vote blue. Your neck could still be red. Well, it You're could one of be. us. It You're one of us. No, that's all right. Be. That's all right. Red Sox uh, victorious yesterday. Yay! Five three, five three over the Detroit Tigers. So rubber match of their three game set kicks off today at one ten at Comerica Park out in Detroit, and uh, you can hear all the action right here on News Talk ninety nine point seven WNTK AM fourteen ninety FM ninety eight point nine WUVR. Thank you to uh, some of our. Red Sox sponsors that are making it all happen. LaValle Building Supply in Claremont, Newport, and West Lebanon. Top Stitch Embroidery in Lebanon. Estate Wildlife Control in Canaan. JAS Autobody, White River Junction, River Valley College in Claremont, Lebanon, and Keene. And Yastramsky Electrical Services and Emergency Power Systems of Kentucook. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it looks like I, I saw uh, some sun dogs this morning. Did you some- see those? Some sun dogs. Yeah, sun dogs. Sun dogs. Yeah. I don't know what kind of dogs those are. Um, how do I describe sun dogs? Um, right, when the sun when the sun is is there there are some opaque clouds mm-hmm. over the sun, mm-hmm. but it pops out. Uh, some of the rays pop out mm-hmm. and makes like little little prism kind of prismy kind of things. But they're sun they're called sun dogs. Here's a way you could say it. Okay. I saw some rays of sunshine this morning peeking they, they out around the rays. Cl- they were not rays of sunshine. They were not rays of sunshine. They were little, little spots. Circular, little yeah. spots of sun. Sun dogs peeking out. No. Sun dogs. <sighs> sun dogs. Why do I feel uh, like I'm speaking a foreign language to you? Sometimes? I don't know, but the feeling is mutual. Wow. <laughs> I do not understand what you're saying. But yes, and. Uh, so one of your phrases did run through my sun mind dogs, this morning. Sun dogs. Oh, here okay, we go. wait a minute. Yep. A sun dog or mock sun, also called a parahelion in meteorology, well, why didn't is, you an say atmosphere, that? is an atmospheric <laughs> optical phenomenon that consists of a bright spot to one or both sides of the sun. Thank you. But it's not faux I mean, it's actual sun. It's little parts of it the sun peeking sun dog. through. See that? Sun dog. I do. A sun dog or mock sun. It's not mock. You wouldn't know what mock. Mock is Jess. Mock is mock is pretend. So it's not pretend sun. It's actual pieces of sun. Well, it's not a piece of sun. It's actually rays of sun peeking out Oh, you mean a sun dog. Yeah, you're oh, right. Oh, my goodness. All right. It is going to be a corker of a day. A sun dog oh, is a go. concentrated patch of sunlight occasionally uh-huh. seen about... 22 degrees to the left or right of the sun. <laughs> Did you measure it? It's what it says. I know, but I'm just wondering if, in order to say that what you're saying is accurate, you would have needed to measure the angles from the sun that you saw these little spots of sun in order to call them sun dogs and be technically I didn't correct. have my protractor while I was driving. I'm surprised. Oh, um, sun dogs often form in pairs on either side <laughs> of the daytime star sun when sunlight refracts through icy clouds containing hexagonal plate crystals aligned with their large flat pieces parallel to the ground. 
Well, why didn't you just say so? Well, I didn't have all that time. <laughs> I did see the sun dogs. Thank you. Was that better? That was great. Right, we could have just avoided the last five minutes. Well, I was waiting for I, you. Well, I don't. Uh, oh, Lord. We've all learned something new this morning. Man. But anyway. I'm not sure what it was. Because sometimes yeah. sun dogs um, are um, uh, precursors to precipitation because there's crystals in the clouds, which means it could be raining. See, that's how you prognosticate. So yeah. <laughs> Here's another way you prognosticate. Don't you pick take your, nose. your phone that's not what and that you means. <laughs> you're an idiot. You look at your phone, you go, "Oh, what's the forecast? Oh, look at that. Looks like rain's coming tomorrow." And I could do that without looking for crystals in the clouds. See, that's the difference between you and me. You're looking you at sun want to go, dogs you and want to go cloud technology. crystals. <laughs> you, you want to And you've got your you, rain gauges no. and your sundial you know, here. If, if Jeannie says to me, <sighs> Peter, is it raining outside? I don't know. Call the dog in, see if he's wet. <laughs> that's what I do. You and your obsession with dogs. What is wrong? Oh, jeez. Eight ten is the time. Uh in the category of seriously, dude, what the hell were you thinking? A Florida man masquerade as a Drug Enforcement Administration agent to secure a discount at a Wendy's restaurant. Love it. Yep. Now, Jesse Stover, 57. Oh, no. Yeah. Has been receiving the half-off discount for more than two years at Wendy's in Bunnell, a city about 20 miles north of Daytona Beach. Yesterday, when Stover again sought the discount, a Wendy's manager asked to see his credentials. He flashed a badge. When the manager asked to examine the badge, he reported became argumentative, prompting a worker at Wendy's to call 911. Oh, manager told police Stover claimed to work undercover for the DAA, adding that he had threatened to report employees to Wendy's corporate office for denying him the 50% discount. When officers responded to the restaurant, Stover denied claiming to be a cop or a federal agent. Yeah. A frisk of a Wendy's regular recovered a gold badge with the words, concealed weapon permit. A photo of the confiscated badge was mm -hmm. released by police. Charged with falsely impersonating an officer who was booked into the uh, county jail on a felony rap. Released from custody last night after posting a $2,500 <laughs> bond. All for a discount on a hamburger. At Wendy's. <laughs> and you're so, 57. Oh, my goodness. Move on. You, you are probably not at a great place in life if you're going to that much trouble to impersonate an officer to get your hamburger half off. Yep. Although, you know, with the price of food these days, I kind of get it. Here's the other thing. It's a good thing I don't work at Wendy's. Mm. I'm not sure I would have cared enough yeah, as the manager to ask to see your badge yeah. to see if I should really give you $2 off on your hamburger. Here's another thing. What you said, the guy's 57. 57. How much is like the senior discount? Is it? I guess it's not half off. It's probably I don't know. 15 or 20. I mean, can't you just, you could probably more closely well, he, he, he posted $2,500 bail. How much of that <laughs> did you save many, on burgers? How many hamburgers yeah. could you have bought? Yeah. Wow. That was just And not to, a... just to show you that yeah. I'm not picking on Florida. A West Virginia woman <laughs> was arrested with a large stash of methamphetamine. Mm -hmm. She told police she sold the drug in order to make a living because she can't find a job. They are hard to find <laughs> these really days. really are. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Poor um, woman. Apparently, the car was pulled over by a state trooper in West Virginia, <laughs> yeah. and a male passenger in the auto revealed that uh, when she spotted the car, she announced, I'm in possession of narcotics. Stop it. 
<laughs> it's not like announcing she, that you she, have a gun. Yeah, well, that's okay. what she did. Right. She admitted there was a stash well, her. in her backpack. Yep. And they found a large baggie with methamphetamine, several small baggies, and the weight of the product written on the outside. Oh, good. Troopers also found smoking devices, several empty baggies, and a small scale. The scale had her name written on it. Well, one does that, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> this is my scale. I don't want it stolen. Uh, she was arrested on possession of intent to deliver, a felony carrying a maximum of 15 years. Mm-hmm. When in custody, she told a trooper, yes, yes, I do sell the methamphetamine in order to make a living because I can't find a job. She's locked up on a lieu of $10,000 bond. And yeah. Now, was she hoping <laughs> when she announced, I have meth yeah, in the car yeah, or whatever it was that she said, was she hoping that like her honesty was going to so strike them that well, they'd be like, oh, right. You know what? You've been really. Unfortunately, this is radio, but a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She, it looks like walking successfully would be a challenge. Yeah. Um, oh, Not a good so look, sad. girl. No, Not a good very look. Sad. So how's your day? Well, way better than that. There, oh, you know, my goodness. Yeah. I am a, a major success. There you go. So if you're feeling a little down in the dumps yeah. today, <laughs> yes. look at this. We just made you feel wicked better. Oh. 814 is the time. We're going to take a break. Back with more after this. By way of introducing our next guest, if you are driving around on Loudon Ridge Road in Loudon and you drive by Pearl and Sons Farm and you see uh, the aforementioned Pearl, driving a tractor uh, out in the field. You see him kind of animated in the cab singing. You ever wonder what he's singing? We have an exclusive. This is what he's singing. She thinks my tractor's sexy It really turns her on She's always staring at me While I'm chugging That's it. Now you know what Howard Pearl sings to himself when he's in the cab of that tractor. Howard Pearl from Pearl and Sun Farms in Loudon is with us. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. I, I'm not quite sure what to say to that other than, you know, you, you got you, you to gotta use what you got, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, but if people see you singing in the cab, they're always one. Well, why is he so happy? What's he, That's what he's saying. She thinks my tractor's sexy. So, I don't know. I, I will uh, I will let you go on that one. I won't uh, actually tell you what I am saying. No, I don't want to know, please. I don't want to know. Oh, dear. That's the better option? Well, no. Oh, dear. I, I think that paints a better picture. Okay. No, actually, the other song I was going to use for you was, uh, I think my dog's a Democrat. Uh, but <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to let that one go. Um, before we talk uh, a little bit of politics, uh, how was uh, your maple syrup season? Uh, we did really well. Really? We ended up with about a uh, 120% crop. Wow. So, uh, just about exactly double of last year. Of course, last year, as you recall, or if you don't recall, it was a pretty poor year. We made about a 60% crop, and this year we did much better. Really good quality all the way through the whole season as well. So I was happy. I know most of the folks in my area did as well. I haven't um, haven't had a chance to, to speak with folks in other areas. I know up north they're probably still going. If not, they may be just wrapping up now. 
But uh, I, I'm hearing good things for most areas around the state. Wow. Uh, are prices uh, going up? You know, I haven't checked on the bulk price. That really won't get set until May, once the Canadian crop is finalized. Um, that that kind of sets the, the bulk price for New Hampshire too. But uh, so I'm not positive on that. I without uh, you know without checking in, I, I wouldn't want to speak to it. Okay, I just want just want to let people know if they you know are going to have to pay an extra buck or two if they're going to buy a gallon, or it's going to be the same as last year. I can tell you personally, I put mine up just a little bit because I had not gone up in, oh, I don't know, several years. And I don't remember exactly, but more than five. And that my input costs, like everybody else's, have gone through the roof. My, you know, my $1,700 electric bill and $5 fuel does not help our uh, the cost of production at all. So, unfortunately, I put mine up just a little bit, okay. but it was pretty minimal. All right. Good, 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 good. All right. So, now let's get out of maple syrup. Uh, we will skip farming for a minute uh because uh let's see you're doing legislative work and uh on top of that you, you announced you're going to run for higher elective office i am you sure you don't want to stay on farming that's a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah but see that way everybody loves you now we're going to get to politics where some people love you some people hate you <laughs> Well, that is true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I guess the key is as long as you got 51%, right? That's right. That's it. <laughs> uh, yes, I did announce uh, about a week ago that I'm going to run for the uh, New Hampshire State Senate, and uh, I'm going to fill a, an open seat that uh, Senator Reagan has indicated he's not going to run again, so I'm going to run for that seat. What's that, 14? Which is uh, District 17. 17. Uh, 17. Yeah, 17, okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, okay, obvious question. Uh, why? Well, you know, I look in the mirror some mornings and I ask myself that same question, and I don't know. I've come up with a really good, intelligent answer, other than I really enjoy what I do, and I, I love serving the people of New Hampshire. I've uh, enjoyed it tremendously in my three terms as a state rep, and I look forward to doing that, you know, in the upper chamber with the, with the New Hampshire Senate as well. Well, it, it, and I, um, it's rare that I say nice things about you on the air. Um, but, um, um, I do know, uh, I have uh, some friends that are Democrats and, uh, they like working with you, uh, because they said, you listen, you know, you're not just an ideologue that, you know, oh, you got a D after your name. I'm not going to talk to you. You will talk and you will try to find a solution. And that's that farm boy background. As far as I'm concerned, the common sense that you bring to the plate. And I, I think it's great. Well, thank you. I, I do try very hard to make sure in my committee, I've been the chair of the Environment and Ag Committee now for this is my second year with it. And I try to make sure that everybody has a fair opportunity to speak and that, you know, that the committee has a, a reasonable and fair opportunity to get you know, get the information they need to make good decisions. And I got to tell you, the, the Environment and Ag Committee is the best committee in the New Hampshire House. And no offense to any of the other committees, but we just get it done. We do it well. We work together. And and one of the things that I gave in my opening orientation when charged to the committee is you leave your, your party affiliation at the door when you come into this room, and we work as a committee. That, we're the ENA committee. You're not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican here. We're a committee together, and we work together. And i got to tell you, they've all done that, and, and on most every bill, we're, we're all rowing in the same direction. I mean, we do have our ideological differences, and, and everybody oh, sure. brings that to the table. No, I, but we I, usually find a good compromise. No, I get that, but but I applaud your your leave the initials after your name at the door. I like that. 
Well, it's the only way we're going to work together and get things done. You know, we have to we do this have the same mentality here at the farm. There's a job to be done. Let's all pitch in and do it. And it, it doesn't matter, you know, who's in the trench, who's in the tractor. It just doesn't matter. I mean, I've spent plenty of my my uh, time picking rocks, letting someone else drive the tractor and doing those things because it works well that way. Yep. We switch around and we all do it together. And I try to do the same, bring that same attitude to the legislature. Well, I I, I think that that, that farm boy uh, philosophy works, man. And uh, I applaud you. And, and hell, I'll support you. I appreciate that very much. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. You? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right. absolutely. You, okay, she supports <laughs> I'm, you too. I'm, I'm just vying for a discount on maple syrup. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in it for me. Wow. <laughs> oh, I see. We'll wow. talk, Howard. <laughs> well, you know, we, we all have our reasons we do things. Right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, you're you're going to affect what I put on my table. See. So, um, so, so you've been kicking tires for a while before you came out with the announcement. Uh, has the response? Um, been good. Been very good. Very positive. Good. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of support behind the scenes, and in a lot of support coming out publicly soon. We'll be uh, making announcements of uh, of endorsements and things like that. But I kept it simple on the you know on the announcement to run. Just I'm, I'm very happy and excited to be doing this, and I've been looking forward to it. And uh, I think it will be a, a really great opportunity. Well, sweet. Well, look, I know you got to run. Uh, so you get Holland, and I will uh, catch up with you down the road. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more about this. All right. We should do that. And uh, definitely uh, we'll find some maple syrup for you guys if you need it. <laughs> You're a good man. jeez. Oh, <laughs> Don't drag me in on this. <laughs> All right. Peter doesn't want maple syrup. Stay just, well, my friend. Right. No syrup for Peter. <laughs> right. I will. Thank you both. And always a pleasure talking with you. You got it. Thanks, Thanks Howard. Uh, State Representative Howard Pearl. Uh, hopefully soon to be state senator howard pearl but go. uh, he's got that farm boy mentality Absolutely. man I, and i love it and me being just a dumb old farm boy from maine I, you know i relate to you it. relate yep it's Absolutely. common sense yes you, you work task oriented got a well, job to do boom 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 and there's that feeling he's one of us and as he said as chair of the environment and ag committee in the legislature you, you leave your dem republican yes letters at the door we're in here just Finding solutions. Right. I like that. And I think we could could accomplish Uh, more if more Pauls took that attitude. Absolutely. But anyway, so we'll we'll follow Howard, but uh, see how he does. We're going to take a break. 828 is the time. Back with more after this. Welcome back, Jeannie and Peter with you. No, don't look at me. No, I am. I, it's my... There's just a little estrogen fest going low. on here. I'm just sitting back here. <laughs> nice try. I'm outnumbered now. You're yeah. never just sitting back there. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we are actually looking forward to this segment, Home Care Matters. Um, Lake Sunapee VNA, we have Kathy Raymond, and then her guest that she's brought, Melanie Lazard, Hospice RN case manager, and we're going to be talking all things, I think, 
hospice this morning. So thank you both for joining us. Welcome in. Yeah, nice to see you guys. And I'm so grateful for Melanie taking some time out of her very busy schedule, taking care of people, to to join us today. We're going to do sort of a series of hospice informationals from different perspectives on the hospice team. So Melanie is here today to talk about her role as a hospice RN case manager maybe a little bit about what that is, what she does, why she loves it, how she got here, you know, just a, a sense of all things hospice from her perspective as a case mm. manager. So, Melly, thank you yeah. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, I'm just going to start yakking because that's what nurses do. <laughs> there Best. you go. Um, so, I am a new hospice uh, RM case manager. I just started um, past July. Um, after I retired. <laughs> um, and uh, gratefully, I have realized what a wonderful job being a hospice case manager is. As I am welcomed into people's homes um, in a difficult time, as you can imagine, when someone is at the end of life. Um, what I have learned is that People that care for their loved ones in the home are incredible heroes, and um, I am very humbled to be able to be a partner in that kind of situation. It is not an easy job, as you can imagine, um, and I have learned that loving someone at that level is one of those really big vows that go with the I do, and I've been really blessed uh, to be with those people. The patients or the clients that are on my particular panel, I am incredibly possessive of, and they are now my family <laughs> as well. Um, I am so fortunate, though, as I started at Lake Sunapee, because I work with just an amazing team. So it's not a one-man show at all in hospice. We have um, home health aides that are really doing that task work that really provides incredible comfort. Um, we have music therapy, which I always threaten my patients and their families that I'll sing. <laughs> um, but Grace, my music therapist, tries to tell me I probably shouldn't, although she does <laughs> encourage me. We have spiritual care, social work, so fortunate. Um, our management team, um, again, it's not a job that you can do by yourself um, because as you can imagine, I'm used to a hospital setting where I'm with multiple people. Uh, the thing in hospice, you're sort of um, on your own in some sense with these uh, patients. I don't have a time because a lot of patients, my day would start at 6.30 in the hospital. As you can imagine, in hospice, maybe my lovely patient at the end of their life is sleeping till noon. Yeah. So, you know, it's really being thoughtful of um, other people and what has to happen. And my experience um, has just been, I can't even tell you, it's the most satisfying job I've had. And I started nursing, I won't even tell you what year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is truly the best position that I have had as a professional. Uh, again, very grateful to be in the situation. And again, hospice does not mean death. Hospice means joy, 
quality every day. It is really taking advantage of every minute that we have and making sure that our loved ones can be comfortable, feel good, um, and have dignity. And well, I think now, that's now, critical. You, as a professional, say, no, it doesn't mean death. To us, it means, yeah, it does. So right. that's what we're thinking. Right. So what kind of an attitude do you have to go in with? You're going into somebody's house, into their world. You're the outsider. So you're like right. Switzerland. You're neutral. But you've got to go in with some kind of an attitude. It can't be off the wall, upbeat. It can't be somber. How do you how do you armor yourself? Well, so I'm called the sergeant, I think, for a reason, um, as a hospice nurse, and that is because I'm um, very clear, and in explaining, and it requires a lot of teaching. So that is the thing. It's not a, a one-size-fits-all by any stretch of the imagination. And it's meeting people where they are, I think, is what's most important. It is really being a very good listener, but also being clear on the objective. What is the goal? What is not my goal? My goal is always something different. Right. I can tell you that right now. I have to be honest. Um, but what is um, the person, it's their choice, their loved one's choice. And it's really about support as much as anything. Letting people get to the place they need to get to um, in their mind. As you can imagine for a caregiver, meaning it's usually a child, a spouse or something, they say, I want my mother to die at home. I want my husband to die at home. That's lovely, and it's not easy, though. So my job is trying to keep the ease in the most difficult situation, being clear, having a plan, having a roadmap, albeit that will switch up, but also just remembering that it's education all the time. Okay, so how was your night? Well, she didn't sleep. Okay, how did you sleep? So it's really sort of looking at a picture in a different way than just with a stethoscope. Yeah. It's got some emotion tucked into it, but also using the tools that I have as a nurse regardless, eyes, ears, stethoscope, all those kind of things because when someone's dying, um, their pulse can be high because they're in pain just because they're not talking. So it's really paying attention and um, listening to the caregiver because they know this person a lot better than yeah. I do. So it's being thoughtful of them. Yeah, and I think uh, just as you've pointed out, it's it's a unique position because you're caring for the, the patient or the client, right. but the support and the guidance that you give to the family um, <laughs> is so valuable too. Um, I've I've watched you know both my mother die and sure. my stepmother and in those last couple of days it just strikes me that you know as we're kind of gathered around her every you know we're looking up on our phones like how is this supposed to go because there is no textbook it's not going to follow no matter how many articles you look up it doesn't follow the steps it doesn't go that way right. so everything that happens a little different from that like, okay she moved her forearm what does that mean what is that are things changing and just to kind of right. keep like be that rudder maybe that helps stabilize the family as they're going through that yeah well and i think that's an interesting um you know conversation because 
everybody says, well, when do you think it's going to be? Right. When do you th- and, you know, there is no crystal ball. There is no... But there is, you know, some signs. So it's just really being thoughtful of the best you can give to someone because everybody wants an answer anyway of some sort. doesn't have to be a defined, definite answer. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I've learned in hospice is many of our patients have been um, embroiled in a healthcare system for a long time already. Mm -hmm. So they already have ties to... Um, uh, maybe a doctor, a nurse practitioner, and just healthcare workers. And so we have to go in and sort of now take over as this is your new normal, so to speak, mm-hmm. or your new team. So that development of that strong um, allegiance with these people, I think, is critical because things changed really quickly. And you know what? Let's face it. We're, I'm, I personally would like to be immortal. So that whole thought of, yes, I know we all die, is really kind of, when it's happening, it's really, it's emotional. It's really, it's there's sadness. There's all kinds of different uh, components other than just, okay, here's a sip of water. Or here's some liquid medicine because you can't swallow a pill anymore. So it's... What is this meaning? And always being conscientious of the nonverbal signs you're seeing with our our patients and their loved ones. Is there any such thing? This sounds sacrilegious, but is there any such thing as actually having fun? Yes, absolutely. Okay, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't sound like there's room for that. But yeah, yeah. I'm thinking for the person who is on their way out yep. maybe not so much but for the the yep. loved one with them mm-hmm. yep. can you can you offset to have fun with absolutely okay. margaritas on little sponges to go in the mouth work <laughs> really well so really finding the patients um, especially their family if you really pay attention you'll get little snippets of um, the life they've lived with their loved mm-hmm. one. And mm-hmm. it's really, if you grab onto it, you know, I went into one home and this lovely gentleman, the house smelled so good. And I'm like, wow, what is that? And he put his wife's favorite perfume on his handkerchiefs, you know? So, um, you know, there's those little things that if you really listen, you can become part of that. And it's like special. All right. Well, we, on that note, we're going to take a very quick break. If you guys can stay with us for just a little bit longer, we'll uh, we'll keep going. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks. Welcome back. We are continuing our Home Care Matters segment with Kathy Raymond of Lake Centipede VNA and her guest, Melanie Blazard, hospice RN case manager. And uh, boy, there are, there's no shortage of things to talk about once no. you start opening that topic of hospice, because as I've said before, there most of us have had some 
uh, a loved one involved in it or know someone. Um, and just like you alluded to before, when we get into that situation, we start thinking of our own mortality as well. And I think of the caregivers, uh, like, you know, or the, the nurses and, and those who kind of help make hospice possible. Yeah, um, a question occurred to me as we as we were taking the break, um, and this is for Melanie. You know, I hear I hear from people in the community like, how can those that hospice team is so amazing? I don't understand how anyone can do that work, when, mm-hmm. and it must be so awful to know these people are dying and you're going to lose them and their families are going to lose them. So, um, I always like to ask hospice providers like, what? It's a special breed of people, of course. Sure. But why? Why do you love it? Like, even though it's hard, and you know this is going to happen, what is what is it that you love most about the role you play, Melanie? So again, having been in healthcare for such a long time, I guess I can ask, what do people think taking care of patients, even in a hospital, is like? So, remember when someone is sick, whether they're uh, sick and dying. Um, sick with some tragic accident. Remember, it's sort of not that, uh uh-oh, I didn't want this to happen to me. Uh, So I think just being a healthcare worker in general is really having that ability to think, um, it's, we wanna help take care of someone. What I really love most about hospice is that someone is in their own home. They're mm-hmm. not in that hospital bed. They, you know, I mean, Lord knows I love all the healthcare workers in hospitals, um, but in the own, in your own home, how wonderful if you can keep them in their own bed with their own pillow. With, I mean, we all have creature comforts, and I think that that is incredible if we can continue to do that. And what I've also learned in hospice is I don't go in and say, okay, get in a hospital bed, get in an overbed table. You know, if someone wants to stay in their own bed, even if it's really low to the ground and I'm kind of (laughs) tall, I will bend over every day. And how wonderful for that patient and that family, right? Think about it. Um, And you know what? I actually don't go home at the end of the day saying, oh, my back is killing me today. I actually have a spring in my step because that is incredible. My mother died at home when she was young. Many, many years ago, there wasn't hospice. There was me, the nurse. My uncle died at home, though, with hospice, and it was like, wow. Mm. Um, That was pretty impressive. The other thing is I've worked with wonderful uh, physicians that hospice palliative care is in them and it was like boy I want to be them meaning I want to be able to make that difference um, hopefully in someone's life but really just as a partner Um, and just take some of that scary stuff away Um, you know hospice nurses have tools of the trade uh, that really help with comfort comfort is our thing but comfort means wow you like ice cream me too let's have ice cream morning noon and night you know so um it's really been a just very fascinating and satisfying job again the group i work with is so incredible and the other thing too is my husband says to me wow someone died today are you sad and i'm like no it was lovely 
It was peaceful. It was comfortable. I did a job well with someone, you know. So that's the wonderful thing. If we are there and we pay attention, uh, death actually is a, can be a beautiful thing, and it as it should be. You know? See, that's what you bring to the table. You say, I try to make it less scary. No way. It's scary. Right. You have gone through it repeatedly, so you bring objectivity to it. We are with a spouse. So that's my life. Exactly. 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's my life. It's ending. It's scary. It is. But you bringing that objectivity, I, I'm probably, as the person not in hospice, but as the surviving spouse or whatever i'm feeding off of you you're giving me hope so you're actually addressing two concerns from my point of view yes and i think that's very true and that's again why having the team is so important mm -hmm. uh, because there are for instance um uh, spiritual care um team doesn't mean religion unless that's what it is it's that other person to talk and listen you know so it's really looking at things um in a whole different light and actually we d we do that in healthcare anyway and or should so i think what's important the, is also what you say i i've been just dumbfounded with the person who was married 68 years i think what the heck is going to happen to them because they're losing themselves right. as well right. mm -hmm. so what do we got to do here along this journey to make sure because you're not going to take away someone's sadness someone's grief that will be forever but we have bereavement we have support you know again uh, Kathy and I were talking about this earlier my mom died over 30 years ago and still on the day she died it's like whoa why do I feel kind of blue today mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's yeah. always it's always there but just really um, I feel I, you know what, I think I just really love the family dynamic too. What I do, the only thing I miss is now when someone has passed, my relationship is sort of ends too. So that's that's sort of my only sort of, hmm, okay. Yeah, yeah. I won't tell my boss that sometimes I call to these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is because you have such a bond with yeah, them and yeah, you've been yeah. through something so dramatic and traumatic sometimes right. with them and, and you share the ups and the downs and there is relief in laughing. I remember when we were going through it, yeah. it's very intense, especially in the beginning and everybody's very somber. And you can only do that as a human being for so long before you need that relief of whether it's an old memory or remember when mom did this? Oh Absolutely. my goodness, that was so funny. Yeah. And you have to be able to laugh and let that out. But yeah. to have someone like you saying, that's okay, she needs to hear you laughing or, you know, it, just to keep that kind of balance going. Mm. Does, does anybody, as they're again, heading out, uh, crank up the stereo. Oh, yeah. I want to hear Deep Purple, Margarita Absolutely. for everybody in the house. Absolutely. You know, just have some fun. Absolutely. I can't do the Margarita. That's the way I want to go. Oh, yeah. Well, me too. So yeah. we actually talk about that. I am... What? What have you heard? Uh, yeah. We talked about oh, you already. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah, no, it's actually, that is the time. I have yet to see someone who does not have that joy. Mm -hmm. including the caregiver okay. that's let's wait a minute 
this is really what she would not like one single bit. Right. So, um, oh yeah, and I can tisk it a tasket and bring in a basket. So I'm I have a I have a little <laughs> toolbox of fun that I carry around too. So yeah, wow. I want your number. <laughs> you make a good talk, girl. <laughs> you making plans? If, if people if people have questions about hospice and about who's eligible, blah blah blah, what's the program? What are, what do they do, Kathy? I mean, you can you can go to the website like sunupvna.org and just kind of read up a little bit about it. And but you can always just call our number, which I always like to put out there, 603-526-4077, and ask when you get someone on the phone that you, you would like to have a conversation with someone about, about hospice care, and whether it's how to get started, or who's eligible, or who's who, who when is it appropriate, and what does it cost? All those nuts and bolts issues, mm-hmm. um, and just get started getting some information. And often a physician will encourage it but not always so sometimes you have to be proactive and say i, I want to find out more about this and, and that's what i would say maybe read up on the website and just give us a call we're always there perfect yeah. well you know for, for, look at i mean we're all gonna go yeah and, and so go. we all uh, we've talked about this with our financial people do estate planning do wills do yeah. trusts talk to funeral homes talk to us have a plan in place yep. the, the the worst time to do it is when you're already in a bad place right. and now you're scrambling trying to, that's that's the Absolutely. worst time to do it. Yeah, you make your intentions known if you can, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we, uh, of course, are out of time before we're out of subject matter, but thank you both so much for joining us. Yeah, I wanna yeah. just personally thank Melanie as a colleague for taking the time um, to come in. It's, it's, I can never share what she just shared. Absolutely. Come well, back, Andy, I was just sitting here going, wow. Well, thank um, you for having me. It's, I have a sign on my car, so you can find me. <laughs> Come back anytime. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Exactly. Um, that phrase will never, never go away now. No. Anytime you hear cowbell. Cool. All right. Be. Yay. That was, you know, I think we've all been around. Um, I mean, talk radio people um, older than music format yes. listeners. Yes. Okay. Sure. You know, so we're talking. 40s, 50s, 60s, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. At that point in your life, you've seen death. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's always traumatic in, in one form or another because it's it's saying goodbye to something that you've known uh, forever. Right. You know, it could right. be uh, it could be grandmother, uh, parents, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But to hear it 
from a caregiver's standpoint. And yes. again, they bring that objectivity. I'm too damn close to it. Right. Exactly. You do not expect me to be Switzerland no, neutral. No, 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 no. You know, I'm emotionally involved in this. Right. Because emotions are heightened and everything is just super intense. So, yes, it's interesting to hear because then after, you know, things calm down a bit, you think about the people that work in that field and wonder what it's like for them yep. and, and what they see and what they think. Uh, as the uh, patient and the families are going through things. Now, see, my mother, um, uh, she was a nurse, and um, she ended up, um, she loved doing hospice. Mm -hmm. Um, And she would be there all hours of the day uh, playing uh, canasta or cribbage or cards or whatever, or watching a movie Mm -hmm. to give the spouse a chance to get some sleep or get sure. a meal or, or you know, whatever, whatever. Yep. And she always raved about how rewarding that was. And I, I, as a kid, I'm going, what are you kidding? Right. You go to somebody's house and you watch them die. Yeah. Yep. And, and I couldn't juxtapose that in my head. Right. As you get older, you understand, okay, yes, it's, it's, it's finite. There's life, there's death, mm-hmm. lines of demarcation. Right. But it's also a trans transitory thing sure it's a transition right it's not as cut and dry and to be there helping the friends and the loved ones yeah and as well as the client so you're really kind of helping to facilitate this major event yep. that people are going to remember so it's a, it's a hugely important uh you know mission as well yep so it's- uh, and i um i still i applaud them Oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Uh, it is uh, because you're letting um, you're letting a stranger into your house, right? And that stranger is bringing objectivity mm-hmm. and bringing comfort to mm-hmm. you, yep. And um, you know the, the the person who is um, on the glide path, right? And helping you navigate a path that you may not have been down before. Yep. And and the wait is this normal or what happens next or what should I expect and yep. okay what about this it, it's just nice to have someone kind of guiding yep. along that process. No, so uh, appreciate uh, both of them coming yeah, in today. Absolutely, it's it's something we're all going to have to deal with, right? You know, right. in one form or another. Yep. And at least you know there is a resource. And again, uh, like uh, when Sean comes in from Davis Wealth Management, uh, you talk about don't wait until hey somebody's in the hospital or sick you should get a will yeah or you should yeah. get a trust yeah. or or a durable power of attorney right you know get this stuff done now mm-hmm. um and again uh if you're 50s 60s hello um you know you might want to make a call and say hey just kicking some tires here what happens if mm-hmm. how, how, mm-hmm. how do how much lead time do i need to if something happened to get into hospice mm-hmm. or blah 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 mm-hmm. you know find out because yep. the last thing you need when you're emotionally drained, um, you're not sleeping, you're, you're emotionally a train wreck, is to try to put coherent thoughts together. Right. It's not the time to do no. it. No. Not the no. time to do it. It does not so. work well. And and from a VNA standpoint, sure, they'd love to talk to you when you got all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's no crush. We can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And great. Yep. So it's all good. 9-11 is the time. Um, uh, Red Sox again today. Um 110 is when we, uh, uh, the rubber match, uh, three-game series split now, one and one. Uh, Detroit won the first one. Sox came back yesterday, 1-5-3, hopefully. Uh, we'll take two, and uh, then they're off uh, tomorrow, and they do the home opener at Fenway Park, hopefully friendly Fenway Park, uh, on Friday at 210. 
against the Minnesota Twins. So, and you can hear all the uh, all the action right here in your home for Red Sox baseball. News Talk ninety nine point seven WNTK AM fourteen ninety FM ninety eight point nine WUVR. And we couldn't do it without uh, some of our sponsors, including Love's Bedding and Furniture in Claremont, GNA Auto Body in North Sutton, Lumber Barn in Bradford, Twin State Coin in West Lebanon, and ComeGetMyCar.com just some of the wonderful sponsors that bring you Red Sox baseball, and we sincerely appreciate it. Um, all right, 9-12 is the time. We're going to take, uh, take a quick break, and then we're going to come back on the other side. Um, I've got people sending me emails. Um, they want to be on tomorrow. Beautiful. It's like, okay. No, i got to clear it with you first. Yeah, you do. So I've learned, yeah, see, everybody thinks, well, Peter, do, no, Peter doesn't do squat. Uh, that's an illusion. Trust me. You're uh, the figurehead. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. I'm the eye candy. That's okay? what it is. I exactly. am just the eye candy. You are. She who must be obeyed that. is the one pushing the buttons back there. Uh, so I'll talk to her. Mm. We'll be back to you in just a couple. Never gonna slow we were shining like ladders in the dark in the middle of a rock show. We were doing it right. We were coming alive. Yeah, caught up in a southern summer barefoot blue jean night. Blue eyes and auburn hair, sitting looking pretty by the fire in a lawn chair. New to town and new to me. Her ruby red lips was sipping on sweet tea. Shot me a little like a shooting star. So I grabbed a beer and my old guitar. Then we sat around till the break of dawn. Howling and singing our favorite song. Got a little country thing going yeah. on there, aren't you? Oh, yeah. What did, you, what did you do before I turned you on to country? Uh, well, I know you'd like to take the credit for that. It's partly I'll, you. I'll take a chunk of it. You'll take a chunk yes, of it. Yes, I will. All right, it's partly you. Yep. yep. American music. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's it's catchy. It's good. It is, it is. Compared well, like to some I said, of the drivel I, that's uh, out there now. Well, when I first met my husband, obviously it wasn't which, which my one? husband. That, <laughs> Sorry. 18. Okay. 18. Yeah. Uh, we were having the conversation about music and, uh, you know, what kind of music you like. And I really told him, I like everything because it depends on my mood. I really right, do right, like a little right. bit of everything. Yep. He's like, no, really, tell me what, what you really go for. I'm like, honestly, the only thing I do not like is country music. And his face fell. And I was like, oh, I That's see a deal breaker. how it is. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. And, uh, but, that you know, I was thinking old country, like twangy country like conway twitty yeah that kind of stuff and today's country is very much like rock you know whatever yeah it had its place all right it was nowhere on the airwaves um so yeah i i I eventually saw the redeeming qualities and now i really like it i like today's country not old twangy country well old twangy country has its place too well, yes, and as I said, it's nowhere on a turntable or on the airwaves. <laughs> That's cold. Yeah. That is cold. Um, weather, not bad. It, yeah. It looks a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but we have nothing to complain about. Severe thunderstorms down in Salado, Texas oh. dropped hail mm-hmm. larger than grapefruits. Come on. That's what it says. Wow. These were 5.5-inch hailstones. 
And think about the damage. Yeah. Just one hits your windshield yeah. or one hits your whatever on your house. Yep. So, That's not But good. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Largest hailstone, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Largest hailstone recorded in the U.S. Yeah. was the size of a volleyball. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. It measured eight inches in diameter, 18 mm-hmm. inches around in circumference, weighed two pounds. Oh my goodness, that's a bowling ball. And in Texas, the largest hailstone recorded last year in Hondo, Texas, April 28th, measured 6.4 inches across. Mm. Uh, Golf ball to softball size hail can fall at speeds ranging from 44 to 72 miles per hour. Wow. With the larger stones, the big honkers, yep. can reach 100 miles an hour. <laughs> wow. Well, I believe it because yeah. the weight and the, I mean, yeah, that that's crazy. Think I mean, of the damage when do that we would see, do. When do we see hail? Rarely do we well, see hail, I mean, but not was, like this stuff. Not like that. And we saw sleet. I mean, I don't know the difference between sleet and hail unless it's the size. But I mean, two pounders. Somebody's going to call. And, and, tell and stuff falls. I mean, if, I remember... The the if you drop a penny off the Empire State Building, it falls at thirty two feet per second per second, uh, and and you know, a little penny, it's 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 going at a great speed by the time it goes down a hundred floors. I thought you were going to give me a math problem. I thought you were doing no. you take a penny off there and it falls so many. You know, blah, yeah, blah, blah. I, know. I was getting ready to have to go to the nurse or something yeah, like I, I, I did I, in I math class. No, okay. Wait a minute. I thought you homeschooled. No, I mean, when I was in school, oh, okay. I went to public school, and if it got really dicey, I'd just go to the nurse. You had an abacus. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a club. Yep, you think we're in caveman we times? I'll uh, show you caveman times. Uh, but we we don't have golf, uh, softball-sized hail, volleyball-sized hail no, around here. We got no, nothing. No, we don't. But you're right. Think about windshield. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> think about if you happen to be, well, who'd be taking a walk? But yeah, I don't know. It Just one know. falls on your head. That would be... Mm-mm-mm. Quite the little. Nope. Uh, tomorrow morning. Yes. Uh, we do have. Uh, we do Golf have, ball size hail. We have a guest. Uh, no, no, no. The 79th governor of the state of New Hampshire oh. will be joining us tomorrow morning. Uh, the Honorable Craig Benson. Uh, Craig will be on with us. Um, he uh, has it just endorsed uh, Kevin Smith, who's been a guest on the show. Uh Kevin's running for the uh, Republican nomination uh, to take on uh, Senator Maggie Hassan uh, in the fall. And Governor Benson uh, just lent his name to Kevin's campaign. And, and Craig said, yeah, I want to go on with uh, Peter and Jeannie. Or, of course he I does. think he said Jeannie and Peter. <laughs> but, um, Good man. That's okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, That's that fine. Works. That's fine. I don't care. So we'll have a chat with the uh, the governor. Beautiful. Tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yes, we will. That is... Uh, Everybody wants us to get on. They do. You know, they the do. road. Clamoring. The road to Washington goes through the studios <laughs> yeah. of WNTK. <laughs> News right. Talk 99.7. And AM 1490, FM 98.9, <laughs> WUVR. There you Beautiful. Go. Yep, yep, yep. So there you go. So, no, that'll be good. Uh, I haven't had had a chance to chat with uh, the governor in, oh gosh, it's been a couple of years now. So, um, that'll be good. So you might, guys, will be catching up like some good old yeah. boys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. It'll be fine. Yeah. We we know so it's shaking. We, we know common people. Yes. So um, yep. that'll be be a good conversation. Find out why. Um, you know why he mm-hmm. came out. Sure. You know why Kevin? Well, yeah. What's the story? Yeah. And Craig will have a good explanation. I'm sure. 
beautiful. So, so uh, that, and we've got, geez, uh, tomorrow, uh, we also have uh, some 4-H'ers. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, FHA. Uh, uh, no, F, F, Future Farmers of America. There you They're, go. They, they, those, there are, those kids it's will be easy on. to confuse yeah. all of those because then you get the acronym. Yeah. Yep. They'll be on with us tomorrow. Beautiful. So, yeah. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to um, be checking in with the U.S. Marshals. Uh, Jeff will be on with us. And they have been um, quite busy again. Mm. Uh, more captures. They've been on a roll lately. Um, so... Uh, oh, and somebody else we got to get on. Uh, actually, you and I talked to her um, last Sunday, uh, Annie Custer. Annie Custer, yes. yeah. Um, Annie, just uh, Congresswoman Custer, just announced her first quarter fundraising halls as she seeks her sixth term. Uh, she's brought in more than $466,000 in the first three months of the year. Um, the campaign says it's a record for this particular quarter. So. Uh, they're going to end the quarter with $2.4 million in cash on hand. And uh, so. Speaking of, speaking of other impressive numbers, mm. you and I talked about this off air yesterday. Okay. 88 years ago yesterday. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. The, the record wins recorded on Mount Washington, 231. Mm. miles per hour mm. you think about that and it's easy to you know when you go up there you see the sign you're like oh okay yeah and then it just gets filed away as this fact that you know a number you know when you really stop to think about what how fast that is the power of 231 miles yeah that's amazing that is that i mean the, the strength of that when you really stop to think that through and that it was recorded then in april crazy yep that is crazy that is uh that is true. Um, yeah, two hundred. It was 1934. Yep. 1934. Yep. 200. And something that I, uh, to me, and I'm not, I, I'm an amateur meteorologist, mm -hmm. just because I'm outdoors a lot. And well, I, you knew about the sun dogs. Well, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I pay attention to the wind, uh, which way the wind's coming. Yeah. And oh, it could be rain. It could be cold. You know, that, yep. that kind of stuff. Right. The 231 mile an hour wind gust. Yeah. What direction do you think it came from? What, North, would you, what would you think? Northeast is what you would think. No. Southeast. Crazy. Yeah. Hmm. I would have thought maybe northwest, you okay. know, prevailing. Yeah. Uh, cranking through. Sure. No, southeast. Interesting. Like, wow, that's interesting. Real anomaly. Yep. Uh, and I'll tell you a little story. Okay. I'll tell you a little story. How good. Yep, yep, it's yep. Uncle Peter's story yep. hour. Now, now. All right. I... Uh, Lived in the North Country, yes, um, for a few years. Great, great place to live, mm -hmm. and had friends that were up on Mount Washington. They worked at the observatory, and they worked at uh, the TV station. Yeah, there's this tower up there. Yeah, and uh, I know back in the day, and I'm going back thirty years. Yeah. Anyway, um, see, they like to have a party at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time Labor Day got there, tourists were going away. Chance for all the people up on the mountain to get together and have a little hoedown. Sure. Well, they were always, they were always, <laughs> pressed, always pressed for funds. Yes. So one of the guys got an idea. He come up top of Mount Washington one day. He's got a bundle of shingles, old weather-beaten shingles. Mm -hmm. 
Well, he was selling them to people getting off the cog railway. Oh, no. That those are the shingles that were on the building that sustained 231 mile an hour winds. <laughs> and we raised a hell of a lot of money, and there was oh. a big party up on that mountain. Oh, my. There are some people that probably have a bar at their home down in Situate, Mass. Yeah, yeah. Wall to wall covered. You yeah. know, those shingles yes, were. Yes, uh, Okay. Came off the. Oh, Newsflash. Eh, no. Well, but so, thanks okay, for the party. They've purchased <laughs> themselves a good story. There you they've go. got, you know, they've yep. got the joy of thinking that that's what really happened. Now, you know, now by me, the way, I was not involved in that scam. I was not. Uh, no, I, I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> I really do, and and part of it is the joy of your stories for me, <laughs> folks, is what you cannot see in radio because I don't think did Camera Six pick that you up? Know. No. The glint in your eye when you're going to tell me something that was very mischievous or something that really, you know, shouldn't have, you know, something a little scandalous. Just reasons the I can't glint, run for elective office. Yes, reason number 832. Yeah. Folks, I wish you could see the look that Peter St. James gets when he's going to tell a story that this one really now, is good. Yeah, I was at the party. Yeah. I just did not. I'm sure you are. You're always at the party. You are the center of a party. If Peter is there, it's a party. All right. It was. And I heard how they raised the funds for it. Mm -hmm. I just said, why didn't I think of that? Mm -hmm. That's genius. Yeah, but it's anyway. something. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure during the break we'll find out nice. if you were more involved. <laughs> Look at the face. Camera 7, get that one. Oh, Lord. Give me strength. <laughs> 929, we'll take a break. Back with more. Nine thirty-four is the time. Uh, well, you know, to let me let me take a line from a Sonny and Cher song. The beat goes on. Uh, the U.S. Marshals just cleaning house, man, kicking butt, taking names. You guys are on a roll. It it has been extremely busy the past month. I want to go back on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. I, 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 let's start off. Um, uh, last week it was the day after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we started off with a, uh, a gentleman wanted out of Massachusetts for uh, it was a rape of a child case uh, and also indecent assault and battery on a child under 14. Uh, you know, 71-year-old man who uh, was living up here in Londonderry, New Hampshire. We were able to track him down, take him into custody without any incident. Really didn't expect any incident, but, uh, you know, with the seriousness of those charges, you never do know. Uh, you know, really, you know, pe people in that predicament def definitely don't have anything to lose. And, uh, you know, we always go with the, uh, the side of caution with, with people like that. But uh, serious charges, took him into custody, handed him over to the uh, police department down there. And uh, he went to court. And I'm sure he's back in Massachusetts already facing those charges. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. Uh, the, the, that, that type of person we do not want on the street. Yeah, we definitely don't. It, it's one of those cases we definitely take more seriously. Any of these sex offenses which uh, we've seen a lot of lately, uh, to include another one just yesterday. And uh, I'll talk about that after these other ones. But uh, it, it's just been really, I, I don't know why, but we've had an influx of uh, sexual-related offenses, whether it's aggravated felonious sexual assault or child pornog pornography charges. 
we've just had a, a pretty serious run of those in the past couple of months, and fortunately we've been able to take a lot of them into custody pretty quickly, so we're happy about that. Yeah, good, good. All right. All right, so now moving on, how about Tia? Oh, we got Tia. Tia was, uh, Tia was a joy to find. Uh, Tia was one that we had featured a, a while back. She was one of the parole violations on a prior conviction and sentence for uh, sales of fentanyl. Uh, we had tracked her down to a, a place up in Alexandria. We received a bunch of tips uh, pointing up there to this particular location. Went to the house, went through the house, did not find her. Uh, but we did find somebody else there that was wanted, so we took him into custody as well. Uh, that was uh, Mr. Bowie, Joseph Bowie. He was also uh, wanted on some drug warrants out of Belknap County and Grafton County for some driving offenses. But we decided to go through the house again because it just didn't feel right. And we, you know, all the tips pointing to this house, it definitely felt like she should be there. So we had the assistance of a canine. The canine went in and took some interest in a particular area. Uh, after somebody decided to touch the edge of a bookcase and that was built into the wall, and it moved a little bit. So they opened that up and found Tia kind of curled up uh, in there, a small little three-by-three little closet-type area that basically built to hide somebody or something. So she took advantage of that. Uh, fortunately, we took her into custody without any further incident and brought her up to the state prison where she'll uh, be hanging out until she goes in front of the parole board. Wow. Wow. Now, now what made you go back? You, you did the initial thing and said, huh, we got this guy. Well, we weren't looking for it, so that's a bonus. But why did you go back in? Yeah, a lot of times you, you just have that hunch. And especially, like I said, we received a lot of tips for Tia. She uh, apparently, not a lot of people, some people like her and some people don't like her. So a lot of these tips were pointing in the same direction, which was, uh, you know, any trained investigator would say that's a pretty good clue. So I felt pretty confident she was going to be in this location. So. I think everybody on the team did. So they just really wanted to make sure that we didn't miss something. And in that case, we did miss something. And, uh, you know, it wasn't something normal that we find. But, you know, we found people in dryers, refrigerators, suitcases, Rubbermaid bins. You name it, we find them in those places, inside of mattresses. So we tend to look everywhere. And uh, this one here was just a, a little bit trickier. And I'm glad we went back and looked again and we're able to track her down. Wow. Well, congratulations. Congrats. Yeah, you guys are just on a roll here lately. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and it didn't stop. Because uh, last Thursday, I think I received a call, another tip on somebody we had featured uh, a while back again, uh, Robert Kane. He was wanted on two counts of failing to register as a sex offender. Again, one of those sex offender uh, convictions and not doing the right thing and letting the police department know where they're living, what they're doing, any uh, vehicles they might have, employment, things of that nature. And he basically took off uh, the information we had originally was he was in Manchester uh, to avoid these national warrants. But I received a tip Thursday evening saying, hey, he's back in Nashua. Uh, I put that out to the Nashua officers, and they were able to track him down within like 12 hours in the area of a McDonald's over on Harbor Avenue and took him into custody on those warrants. So that, that all worked out. I just, uh, you know, it's, it, it took a while to track him down because... I think he was uh, living under another name, possibly in a homeless shelter in Manchester, because uh, they're, they're not supposed to be, any sex offenders are not supposed to be living in the shelter, but unfortunately, if you have a false name and false identification, uh, sometimes people do get into those places. So it's uh, that that is a concern we had. So. Well, and, and plus the guy was 60 years of age. Does he figure, ah, I'm just an old guy, they're going to forget about me anyway? 
So I think a lot of people do think that, you know, they think, oh, they're just looking for me today. By tomorrow, I'll be old news. I'll be forgotten about. There's something else going on that's more important than me. Uh, not the case with this gentleman. So it was definitely, you know, once you're the future of the week, uh, you're still on our list until you're off the list. And usually off the list involves being in, in handcuffs somewhere. So uh, I'm glad this was able to happen as efficiently as it was. I'm glad, grateful for the tipster that called in because, had we not had that tip, we would have still been concentrating our efforts in Manchester. So uh, I'm glad this person pointed us in the right direction, and that really helped us out. Wow. All right. So which takes us back to the Fugitive of the Week this week. We, we also had that other arrest I was talking about, another uh, child pornography case that, uh, oh, that came oh, up yesterday. That's right. Yep, yep. Forgot. That, Sorry. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a case that came out of Florida, uh, a case of a gentleman by the name of Michael Flippo. Uh, 55 originally of Lebanon, Maine. So the case originally went to our partners in Maine, hoping they would be able to track him down in Maine. But unfortunately, uh, he was working over here in Milton, New Hampshire. So uh, crossing the border yet again. So the the Maine deputies, along with our task force partners over here, were able to take him into custody at his workplace up in Milton, New Hampshire yesterday. And uh, he'll probably be held at the Traffic County Jail until he goes back to Florida to face those uh, child pornography charges, which are pretty serious. And it just... It goes on. Like I said, the uh, for some reason, the sex offenses right now have been really off the charts uh, and getting a lot of attention. I, I don't know why that is, but I'm glad we've been able to uh, help out and do our little part to put these people where they need to go. Yeah, send them back to where they came from. Not We don't want them here. And, and that's the case with the Fugitive of the Week. We have another one. This, this gentleman's wanted out of Rhode Island. We don't want him here. Nope. So let's, let's get rid of him, too. This is uh, Alaric Dunyon Hill. He's wanted on a couple of different probation violations. One's a federal probation violation on an underlying fraud charge. And then he has a a state of Rhode Island probation violation on multiple assault. Uh, Mr. Hill goes by the name of Jerry Hill or Jerry Sassy or the nickname Brooks. He is a black male who's 44 years of age, born in Liberia, 5'11", 184 pounds, has brown eyes and either black hair or bald, shaved head. Uh, He was... Last known to be residing in Manchester, New Hampshire, but he could be anywhere in this area. But uh, the information we have is pointing to Manchester. Hopefully somebody uh, recognizes him, can reach out, point us in the right direction, because we're a little bit uh, behind the curve on this one. I I think he might have moved from the place that we thought he was going to be living, but uh, I'm sure he moved someplace close by, so somebody's going to recognize him and probably be able to point us in the right place. When I see armed and dangerous, all capital letters, uh, on the Fugitive of the Week, that says serious. It definitely does. Uh, Although his underlying uh, charges are fraud and assault, his criminal history is pretty extensive with a lot of assaults, firearm charges, robberies. Uh, So that's why we listed him out as armed and dangerous. You know, he's done it in the past. Uh, He's familiar with firearms. Not not something, uh, you know, I expect, but uh, with that familiarity comes the possibility that he could be armed again. So, and he's been on the run. It's been since, I believe, 2019 these warrants came out. So uh, it's been a good long time. So he's been wanted for about two and a half years, and I think it's time to uh, return him to Rhode Island to where he belongs and get him out of our state. And people can eyeball um, the Fugitive of the Week, Alaric Hill. Uh, You can see his uh, uh, picture and information on the uh, uh, WNTK Facebook page. Uh, and if people have a tip, how do they uh, get it to you? They can uh, reach out and call me directly at 603-225-1632 with the main number. Or you can go right on the post or click on the link that says web tip. That'll send us an anonymous email. 
or text the word NHTIP, followed by any information to the phone number TIP411. Uh, again, completely anonymous. We don't need your name. You don't need to testify against uh, this gentleman. It, uh, it, we can go back and forth on those systems completely anonymously. We can meet up with you. You can give us your phone number. We can call you. Whatever, whatever way you're most comfortable with, uh, we just assure you that you won't have to testify against Mr. Hill. He'll never know who dropped the dime on him, per se, or quarter, whatever it might cost nowadays. But uh, let's uh, just do the right thing and uh, get him out of here. Yep, ship him back to Rhode Island. Works for me. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do to help you. But, uh, boy, you've been getting help from all quarters of the state. It's It's been uh, it's been crazy. You know, states, you know, with, with our agency, it's a phone call away to, uh, to refer a case to somebody else, uh, a quick email. So we do work very well uh, that way. We also have been working uh, a lot with some of our partners at uh, Conway Police Department. They had a, uh, a, a three-person ring involved in a drug uh, sales that was death resulting so we've been working that for the past week it just it never seems to stop and we really appreciate being able to help out our partners in other states and within our own states and glad we can make a difference all right well then we'll uh, based on your track record uh, we'll expect to hear from you tomorrow morning <laughs> uh, let's hope so i hope i have good news for you by then all right thanks jeff thank you very much peter thank you Jeannie. all, all right, right. we'll talk to you later um, Jeff White, uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal, the, the Supervisory Deputy and Criminal Investigator for the U.S. Marshals, Whew, District of New Hampshire. And yeah, they've just been. Wow. Yeah, they've been on just, a roll. Yeah, a lot to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I don't know why the pervs are coming up I here. Know. Uh, uh, I know. I didn't see somebody putting the welcome mat out for them. No. But no. Uh, anyway, uh, go to our uh, Facebook page, WNTK, and you can eyeball Alaric Dunyan Hill and the contact number and the web tip. Numbers are all there. Check it out. 945, 15 to the west of 10 o'clock. Taking a break. Back with more. Broke my heart because I couldn't dance. You didn't even want me around. And now I'm back to let you know I can really shake them down. To the west ten, <laughs> to the west of ten o'clock. Boom, 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 boom. Um, this this actually was sent to me. I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, Tom Tom Thompson, uh, the son of the late Governor Mel Thompson, who owns a tree farm um, up in Orford, uh, member of the uh, New Hampshire Timberland Owners Association. Tommy sent me down a uh, uh, a little historical piece because he knows I love this stuff. Uh, tomorrow is the 250th anniversary of the Pine Tree Riot, the spark that led to the Revolutionary War. Um, And I'm a nut for history, so I want to do this. Um, The Pine Tree Riot happened uh, April 14th, 1772, in the town of Ware, New Hampshire, on the site where the Quimby Inn once stood. Today, there's a large millstone with a plaque marking the site on Route 114 where the riot took place. Now, in the early 1700s, more and more people were leaving England, coming to America for a new life and hoping for less control from King George III. Forestry was an important industry in the new colonies. As early settlements grew and moved from the coast inland, 
the plentiful and valuable resource, the trees, became more important for landowners. In the late 1600s, England realized they had overlogged their own forest to the point they were unable to provide large trees for mast used on the wooden sailing ships of King George's Royal Navy. So the king claimed all the white pine trees in the new colonies, which exceeded 24 inches in diameter, and said that belongs to the King of England. However, in 1722, the British Parliament and the King passed a law to reduce the size of the white pine trees that they would call their own from 24 inches to 12 inches in diameter <laughs> to make sure that they had a continuous supply of white pine tree masts for future Royal Navy ships. Now, to understand what a loss of value this change in tree diameter uh, meant to everybody, uh, you have to understand a 16-foot log with a 24-inch diameter produces 425 board feet of lumber compared to a 12-inch diameter pine tree, 16 feet long, which produces only 95 board feet of lumber, okay? But that got people worked up. So the king had his surveyors go out and mark with the king's broad arrow mark on all white pine trees, 12 inches and larger, which they wanted to save for the Royal Navy and notify the settlers, if you want the pine trees left, you gotta pay a royal license in order to cut any of the remaining white pine trees on your own land. Ooh. Benning Wentworth was governor of New Hampshire. He did very little to enforce the king's pine tree laws. But in 1766, John Wentworth, Benning's nephew, became governor, and he began to enforce the king's pine tree laws by sending out surveyors to check the sawmills in Goffstown and Ware and measure the diameter of white pine logs. They found pine logs from 15 inches to 36 inches in diameter and said, oh, those are the property of the kings, which the mill owners were fined for and ordered to pay the fines on February 7th, 1772. The sawmill owners of Gosstown paid their fines to get the logs back, but the sawmill owners in Ware did not. On April 13th, Sheriff Whitting and Deputy Quigley rode into South Ware with a warrant to arrest sawmill owner Ebenezer Mudgett, who was the leader of the Ware mill owners. By the time they found Mudgett, it was dark. Mudgett agreed to meet the sheriff and deputy the following morning, who were staying at the Quimby Inn. Mudgett and others planned throughout the night how they would respond to the king's representatives at the morning meeting. They decided enough is enough. The king's taking more and more, and they would take a stand by not paying the fines that they would run both representatives out of town. Early in the morning, Mudgett and the others surprised Whiting and Quigley in their rooms, pulled them out of bed, whipped them, took them outside where their horses were waiting with their manes and tails sheared off, and both were forced onto their horses and run out of the town of Ware. Sheriff Whiting did not give up his efforts to collect fines and later in the spring captured one of the riders, so the others involved agreed to pay bail money and appear in court. That September, eight men from Ware appeared in Superior Court in Amherst. The judge fined each man 20 shillings, which was a very light punishment for the crimes. The judge and many others in, uh, of New Hampshire thought the pine tree laws were oppressive and unfair. Ebenezer Mudgett and other loggers and sawmill owners stood up and rebelled against the king's pine tree laws, which encouraged others to stand up and push back. This became the spark that one year later fueled the Tea Party in 1773 and then the Revolutionary War in Great Britain in 1775, known as the American War of Independence. The rebellion started in Ware, New Hampshire, by a few proud, hard-working folks like Ebenezer Mudgett and others who decided to rebel against the king's outrageous laws. I love it. See, those kind of stories, where were you when I was trying yep. to learn history or get uh, interested in things That's the stuff long I ago? Yeah. It is. Not only is it, of course, very interesting because it's our New Hampshire, Yeah. but it just, it puts the, 
it it makes it's beyond dates it's people yeah. it's situations it's how would i react i would be mad too you know in in it's just fascinating. And when I hear people say, you know, I, uh, history, oh, it's just a bunch of dates. Well, then you had a bad teacher. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and I, um, gosh, I know a lot of history teachers and I'm envious of them mm-hmm. because they, they're so passionate about it. Right. They love it. They want to share yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, the dates are ancillary. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. In 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got that. Uh, but but when you start putting faces and names and people and, and they were imperfect people. Right. And they had failings and, and some of them were morally bankrupt and corrupt. Yes. But that just added to the story. And That makes yeah. it real because yeah. when you get into those situations Situations, or yeah, there is scandal, or eh, this is the way it was supposed to go down, but this person did something unexpected, which changed all of the. I mean, now we've got a story. Yeah. Now we've got something that's relatable, and I understand that side of humanity. I, it, it's it's just that gets it very interesting. I mean, you 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 you've been to my house. Uh, uh, I've got one wall, nothing mm-hmm. but bookcase. Right. And uh, probably ha- and the, 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 that wall is probably, oh gosh, I don't know. 20, 25 feet long, mm-hmm. uh, probably 60%, 70% of the books are, are history books. Sure. Yes. I, I just, wow. But you, you are one of those gifted people that take it beyond the books. And mm. the, and that's the difference. When I went to school, there it was all textbooks. Yeah. And, and I didn't have that history teacher that sparked it like you did. I mean, even when I was just talking recently about going to Oklahoma right. and wanting to bring the history alive for my son, it it just yep. you had great stories and sent me off. Um, yeah. You sparked that interest that made me want to dig deeper. That's cool. So it's, it's, it's a nice talent. No, it is. So uh, thank you to Tom, uh, Tommy for sending me the uh, hey, so the, the little spark Mm. That started the Revolutionary yeah, that's War. That's cool. Started in where? That that's, is cool. that's very cool. Very so, interesting. Um, that's pretty much it for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, um, Future Farmers of America um, going to be talking with us tomorrow. Um, the 79th Governor of New Hampshire, Craig Benson, yep. going to be on with us at yes. uh, 8.15 tomorrow morning. Um, and we will hear about the pet of the week from Upper Valley Humane Society. Yep, we've got a good day tomorrow as well. And this afternoon, um, the uh, deciding game of the three-game series, Boston Red Sox, Detroit Tigers, going to be decided today. 1-10. I believe that's called a rubber match. There you go. <laughs> At Comerica Park in Detroit. So you can hear all the action right here on News Talk 99.7 WNTK. AM 1490, FM 98.9 WUVR. And thank you to uh, some of our many, many Red Sox sponsors making it all happen. Colonial Pharmacy in New London, HP Roofing, White River Junction, Bubba's Bar and Grill in Newbury, Key Chevrolet in White River Junction, and Stiefel Nicholas in New London. There you have it. All right. So go Sox. See you tomorrow morning. I don't mind Cause you mean that much to me Ain't too proud